amazing time we've had so far today. We were outside at 8.30. If you're joining us online, we're thankful you're here. And if you're in the room, man, it's good to be with you here again today. On the count of three, well, we're not going to do that. It was a song. What I need your help with, we're going to finish the main text for today from Philippians 4, uh, verse 4. And you're going to know the word at the end. I want you to shout it out, though. Uh, be inspired by that song. Paul is writing the church in Philippi. He's sharing with us today, and he's giving us this command. And here's what he says. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. we are to, to be choosing that on a regular basis. Sometimes it's easier to choose joy than others, though. Like if you were a Comet fan this weekend, it was pretty easy to be happy and joyful. The Comets uh, dominated the homecoming game. If you're a Cardinal fan, the Cards can't even hardly lose right now, right? It's exciting. Larry's excited about it. He's got the shirt on. Some of you are like, I don't care about that. If you were out today, this morning early, the sky was almost just a perfect picture of blue. And in days like that, it's easy to choose joy, or, or it seems to be easier. But what happens when life storms come up? This is what we're going to really be thinking about, and, and how do we respond to, to the anxiety and the worry of life when, when life throws us a curveball? Because life storms come to all of us. Early last spring, it was early in the spring of 2020, and we know what that was like. Uh, many of us were locked down like we never thought we'd be. We, we were in a different uh, system or, or uh, like just style of life, and it was uncomfortable. I can remember one night, a storm hit me. I mean, it wasn't a, a, a physical storm. It was more of an emotional storm. My heart and my soul was bothered. And to be honest, I was worrying about things that I couldn't control. So I'm laying there in bed, I don't know if you can relate to this, and my mind just races, and it becomes 1, one o'clock, and then it was 1.30, and then 2 o'clock, and you're like, I'm just still thinking about the same things. And there was really no joy at that moment of worry. And then a literal storm hit the area. A front came through, and there was lightning, there was thunder, and then it happened like it generally does. If there's more than one or two claps of thunder around our house in the middle of the night daily, our daughter will be in our bed in just a moment. I mean, you can hear feet hop out of bed, the thunder will slap, and then in just a few steps, she's in our bedroom, and then she jumps up somehow in midair and lands in between Tiffany and I, and that's the way it goes. And you know what I did? Nothing. I was kind of still frozen by the storm that was in my heart. I knew Tiffany was going to be able to take care of daily, and in a matter of moments, she was calmed down. And somehow, uh, even though as I was sitting there in silence, and maybe my eyes were open, and daily uh, saw that my eyes were open, but somehow she sensed that I was awake, and she grabbed my face, turned it to hers, and she had me between her hands, and she says, 
Dad, it's going to be okay. It's just a storm. He said, Dad, don't worry. It's just a storm. And I need to hear that. Some of you need to hear that this morning. And I think that's what God's going to share with us in His Word. He's going to grab you right in the face. And God is saying, it's going to be okay. You don't have to worry. It's just a storm. Because we all have storms that pop up. Things that cause us to worry, have anxiety in life. Things like relational conflict, health concerns, financial problems, career chaos. The constant rumor and truth of war throughout the world. We have a, a climate uh, change is happening all around us. And this thing called COVID the last almost two years. And that all that stuff and more is magnified by our news cycle and social media. It used to be you lived in a small community, maybe uh, like Greenville or even larger, and, and you got the paper, let's say go back 80 years or 50 years, and you watch the nightly news, and you talk to your neighbor, and you, you knew bad things were happening, but do you know what happens in today's world if you turn on the news? Every 15 minutes, it tells you the worst thing that's going on anywhere. You scroll through Facebook, and there's uh, uh, information about how this happened and that happened. And if we're not careful, all of that bad news can rob our hearts and lead us, leave us afraid. For some of us, and for me at times, we need to turn off the TV and grab God's truth and put some good news in our hearts. Some of us need to quit throwing, scrolling through social media and, and dive into scriptures because good news has to replace bad news or we will be overcome with worry and fear. Because the truth is, the world is getting darker. It just is. Until Christ returns and makes all things new, it will continue to decay. And I am in favor of being informed, but when it starts to attack our souls and our minds and physical nature, we need to be very careful. Some of you that were like this, oh boy, I feel stressed. I don't know what's going on. So I think I'll watch the news and then uh, I'll, I'll watch another segment of news and then I'll scroll through social media for like five hours and lay down and go to bed with an aluminum helmet on and, um, and fear if you have enough uh, bread and milk in the refrigerator to get through the next lockdown. That's what happens. But all joking aside, if all we feed ourselves is worry and stress, it shows up in our own bodies with headaches, stomach aches mental fatigue, fog, and even worse. What we hear on the news can affect everything that we are. And not just the news, but the reality that this world is struggling. I wonder how you're doing right now. I wonder if you've ever experienced this level of stress and worry, where you're talking with someone you love, maybe a friend, a spouse, a child, and they're trying to share their heart with you, they're trying to share a concern they have, or, or even a joy, and you're so consumed by the worries in your mind, you don't even hear what they're saying. You're disconnected. You're there, but you're not there. Guys, the world we live in, with anxiety and worry, would love to rob our joy any chance it gets. And in all of that frustration, we become fearful. And instead of wanting to be happy and helpful, what we end up coming across as hateful and hurtful to maybe the ones we love the most. I, I testify, I, I, I'm being trying to be aware of this, and it happened to me even this morning. In, in the midst of, of the change, in the midst of the, the strange day, I found myself being short with people that I love the most. Because I wasn't really there. Because I was distracted by anxiety. You know what fear does? It steals joy. And if we want to choose joy, we've got to push back and cast out that thing that's robbing us the most of all. Ben already read a portion of it from 2 Timothy chapter 1 this morning during worship. 
Paul tells Timothy, this young pastor, this young Christian who's really trying to get his feet underneath him, and, and Paul knew that the world was tough on him, and, and Paul tells Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Let's just declare that. God does not want you to be afraid, whether you're taking a test, whether you're going against an opponent in athletics, whether you're facing a relational problem with your spouse or, or uh, an issue at work. God did not put in our hearts a spirit of fear as believers. But you know what really God puts us in us through the Spirit of the Holy Spirit? Of joy. A spirit of joy. John says this in John 4. There's no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. Some versions say casts out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears has not been made perfect in love. So here's what John is saying. If we really knew the love of the Father and how much He cares for us, how much He's able to provide for us, that love would, would so rule our hearts that we would never be afraid. I'll sign up for that, uh, but we've got to dive into and fill our lives with that type of hope. Because that's really what fear is. Fear is vision, I believe, without hope. You think about it, fear uh, almost always has to do with looking into the future and seeing nothing good. If you're honest, some of you live there a lot. You, you look into tomorrow, Monday, you're like, that's going to be a bad day. You, you look to next week, well, it's probably not going to be as good as this week. We, we look into the future and we have a vision of everything, but it has nothing good in it. See, people say that all you need is food, shelter, and water to survive. And you can live that way for a while, but without hope, you will soon die. Fear also travels down the road of worst-case scenario. I wonder how many of you allow fear to take you to the worst potential problem all the time. Sometimes, occasionally this happens to me, I'll think about the possibilities, and our minds will, will, will get to that spot where the worst-case scenario, guys, we got to stop living there, because I think for the last two years, or almost two years, our entire world has thought, well, what if this happens? The worst case scenario, guys, it's not happening. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to live in fear. Now, does it mean we change our lives? Absolutely. Does it mean we make a wise decision? Yes, but we don't have to think about worst case scenario every moment. Because fear is like this. It's like an evil spirit that must be cast out and replaced with love. John says, perfect love casts out fear. And so fear is very much like an evil spirit. It's the same Greek word where, where Jesus would cast out a demon or an evil spirit. It's the same thought that fear in itself is evil and it must be driven out of our hearts and our minds. It must be cast out. But it, the thing that casts it out is love and it must be replaced by love. What's an interesting thing in the Bible, when, when something evil is cast out of a person, unless it's filled with something godly, you know what happens? The fear and the evil even intensifies. Uh, sometimes uh, there was a place in the Bible where Jesus cast out demons and, and it wasn't filled with anything and they came back sevenfold. Worse than it was before. So today, if you're struggling with worry, anxiety, and fear and you're going to remove it, you've got to fill it with the truth of God that we're going to see in the text. Let's look to it. It's Philippians chapter 4. We've got to replace it with good news. It's a text you've heard before. I've said the beginning of it again. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. We can stop right there. That, that reduces so much anxiety, realizing God is close. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
Paul is establishing these truths to guard our hearts and our minds from fear, from anxiety, from emotional uh, torment. He says you've got to ground yourself in these things. The first is this. Choose joy by rejoicing in the Lord and celebrating what's good. Next time you start to have anxiety or worry or or doubt or fear, uh, look and say, God, I see these good things and I'm going to rejoice in that. And again, I'm going to rejoice in again and again and again. There's so many things we talked about this week one. We often look at the glass half empty when most of our glass are almost always full, but there's always something that could be better. Stop looking at what's not there and looking at what we have to be thankful for. He says, rejoice in the Lord always with thanksgiving. Celebrate what's good. Look what he says in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's a tall order. Whatever circumstance you're in right now, whatever's going on, whatever the hardest thing is that's hitting you in in the heart, in the head, say, God, I'm going to still look for something to give thanks to you in the midst of this storm. Because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. A lot of times we think, God, just show me what you want me to do. Show me your will. If you ever have a doubt of what your next step is in God's will, ask yourself if you're giving Him thanks and praise. And if you're not, why would He give you the next step? So if you're ever frozen by fear, say, God, I'm going to choose a day to live in your will and give you thanks and rejoice no matter what. And then I've found that He'll give you the next step and the next step. But if we're not willing to take that baby step saying, God, you're good and you bless me, why would we go any further? He says, rejoice and give thanks in all circumstances. Psalms 107 says this, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. How long? Forever. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If there's a day where you feel like every other victory is taken away, there's nothing good, there's just something that cannot be taken away, that we have victory over sin through Jesus Christ. Period. This is the victory that we need to give thanks to God no matter what. Nothing else matters as long as we know that that we have victory in Him. Everything can be built on that. Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians 1.20. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through Him, the amen, amen literally means let it be God. What, What you're doing, let it happen. Whatever you promised, amen, let it be, is spoken by us to the glory of God. So whenever we say amen in accordance with God's promises, God receives glory. And there are things that cannot be taken away. A promise that God has made is yes in Jesus. And God loves to say yes. So here's one promise. Jesus Christ has taken away our sins by dying on the cross and overcoming death by His resurrection. That is a promise that we can say amen to, right? So through the resurrection, we have life. Amen? God receives glory because of that. There will be a day God promises that through Christ we'll be reunited with Him in heaven. Amen? In that, He cannot take those uh, things away. Whatever promise you know that God has made, it is yes in Jesus. So let our amens declare His glory by being thankful. Another way to choose joy is by remaining calm. That's hard when you're worried. That's hard when the lightning strikes. That's hard when, when your child is all of a sudden hurt in an accident or, or your parents are all of a sudden uh, sick for a way that you never would imagine would hit your family. It's hard to stay calm. But he says rejoice so that everyone will see you're considerate in all you do. The, new, uh, the NIV says let them see your gentleness. 
This is this idea that you're considerate, you're not, you're not rash, you're not hostile, and that even in a high emotion, you can be gentle. I wonder if that's you. It's not me all the time. In fact, when I get frustrated, when I have fear, I begin to react. Uh, I begin to look a lot like more like a child. I don't know if you've raised children or you've got any children in your family now, especially toddlers. They're fine. They're a ball of joy until they don't get what they want, and then they're totally irrational. You don't give them what they want, and you're going to hear it, especially if they've not been trained to, to withhold their emotion. Guys, we can become like that when we get into fear. No, I want what I want no matter what anybody else. And Paul says, no, well, even when things are tough, be considerate of others and make sure you're gentle. This may be my hardest detail of this instruction because I, all of a sudden, will begin to be frustrated and short with people, and gentleness will not be seen. He says, in these situations, make sure that you're willing to control your emotion. Proverbs 16.32 says this, Better a patient person than a warrior. One with self-control than one who takes a city. Now don't take this out of context. There is, this is not saying that there will not be a time where God does not lead us to be warriors for the faith. And we will stand up to protect. But he is saying here, better that you would be patient day in and day out than always run off into war. And be harsh to others. If you're a person that often reacts and then, and then regrets, you need to ask God to help you to slow down and to be gentle and to be patient. Remember to control your emotions. Here's another truth from this text. Choose joy by replacing worry with prayer. Seems easy, doesn't it? Next time you're worrying, just pray. Because really, there's two choices when you're really stressed and there's fear. You can say, God... I don't need your help. I'm going to handle this on my own. By golly, I can get through this. Or you can have uh, some wisdom about you and follow the Scriptures. Say, God, I'm in a tough spot and I need your help. I mean, those are two options. Handle it on your own in the midst of darkness and fear or say, God, I am faithful to you and I, I believe you can help me. Here's what it says in chapter 4, verse 6. Do nothing out of... Do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. He is acknowledging, Paul is not saying, don't worry. I think Paul is saying, in every situation, when there is a chance that you could worry, pray. He's not saying there's nothing to worry about. He is saying, when you feel this anxiety rise in that situation, pray. He's not denying that there's nothing to be afraid of. He's not denying there's something that, that you can't control, but he's saying you need to give it to God. I don't know how many of you have tried this, especially with kids. It doesn't work that well. This is not what Paul's doing. Somebody comes to you with some fears and concern. You're like, oh, there's nothing to worry about. That doesn't help. Don't worry. There's nothing to worry about. In fact, I, I've felt it in my own life. I go to someone for advice. They're like, hey, you don't have to worry about that. No, this is exactly why I'm coming. I need something to, to help me overcome this. And Paul says the best remedy uh, for worry is pray, to give it to God. If we're just always saying as Christians, oh, we don't have to worry about it, we're not really helping that much. It's kind of like the, the little league coach who sees one of his players up to bat, and you can tell they're stressed. And they need to relax. And they're, they're holding the bat tight and, and, and they can't even hardly focus on anything. They're nervous. They're fidgety. And, and what we do as Christians, we say not to worry. It's like the little league coach saying, relax! Relax! And the person's, you know, they're up there shaking. 
You've seen that done. I've been that little league coach. And what Paul here is saying, I know there's things that you, in situations you could be anxious. He said, instead of being anxious, pray. Take time and go to God and say, I need your help. Because let's be honest, if you look around the world and you've studied God's Word, uh, the world is going to become darker and darker. There is sickness to be concerned about. There is injustice that's wrong. There is suffering that needs to be corrected. There is sin that is killing us. And he says, instead of being anxious about that, pray about it. When you're faced with the burden of life, pray. When you feel panic, pray. When you feel pressure, pray. When you feel pain, pray. What prayer does is it says, someone needs to stay up all night and figure this out. I can't do it, but God, you can. Prayer says, uh, someone who has ultimate power has got to handle this, and I can't, but God, you can. That's what prayer does. It releases God to meet our needs, to move. About what? He says this about all circumstances. In 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, pray continually. You're like, Tyson, I prayed. I prayed last night. I stayed up all night last night. You I had one of those nights where, where there was a storm in my heart, so I prayed and I prayed and I prayed, and nothing happened. Let me ask you this. Next time you're praying and nothing happens, ask yourself, are you putting it in God's hands or are you just complaining? Because there's a big difference by, by praying to God and say, God, I need help in this. This is the problem and I need your help. Uh, sometimes we just say, God, here's all the problems, and we never ask for His help. It doesn't do much good to, to just uh, complain to God with a list of complaints and then never really put the problems in His hands and say, God, I trust you. So here's the next natural thing. It's right in the text. We need to choose joy by requesting what we need. In Philippians 4, 6, it says this, present your request to God. That's the NIV. The New Living Translation says this. It makes it even plainer. Tell God what you need. Instead of just saying, God, these are the problems, say, God, I need your help. I have a need. At times when we're stressed and anxious, I found over the years that we become frozen. You may even say, God, what, what do you want for me to do? What, what am I to do next? And we need to remember, God first wants us to give thanks to Him. And then we say, God, but what, what do you want me to do? And God's like, I've already, I've already shared with you. you. You know many things to do. And He is just ready for us to make a request, but we never do. We never get to the point where we say, God, we need your help. Sometimes we remember God too much of a person who always says no. We think of Him as someone who, who is ready to, to, to put us in our place and say, you're, you're doing the wrong thing. And by the way, the reason you're so stressed is you've been wrong. That's not God's nature. God's nature is a lot more like a grandparent who loves to spoil their grandkids. Now, I know we can take this illustration too far, but if you've noticed, grandparents love to say yes. I think God's a lot like that. I think we as parents should be like that more. Here's what I mean by this. Early on in my parenting, I said no sometimes just because I could say no. I admit that, you know, like, it's time to go to bed. Can you step later? No, just go to bed. And if they'd have stayed up a little later, uh, there's things that, that don't really matter. But, but the older I get, the, real, the more I realize there are times when we should say yes because there's times when we have to say no and it needs to really matter instead of saying no to everything. For example, dads, if the question is, can we go to the park? We should probably say yes. Because it, it's not outside of our family values and it's definitely not sin. Uh, Dad, can we have some ice cream? If, if A lot of times it can be yes. Dad, can we build a fort? Yes. Dad, can we jump off the top of that fort? 
Yes, as long as you provide a safe place to land. Dad, can we grow a mullet during quarantine? Maybe. Dad, can we cheer for the Cubs? The answer is clearly no. Okay? All joking aside, that what we need to be prepared to do, if it's not sin, if it's not established as something you're not going to do as a family, I think parents should look and work to say yes. I think God's a lot like that. As long as it's not outside the parameters that He has established in the Word, His guidelines for life are pretty broad. But if it's sin, then it's outside. But if it's what's inside the guidelines, when we ask God, we say, God, we need this, He often is ready to say yes because He wants His children to come to Him. What great joys if you're a parent or grandparent and, and a child can make even a stranger request and you can say yes, it provides joy to them and to you. It happened last Sunday. Surprisingly enough, there wasn't anything planned at the Graber house for about three hours, okay? We had just some downtime for a little bit on Sunday afternoon. I was actually watching the Colts lose again, so I was a little bit bummed. Daly came to me and said, Dad, what are we going to do? And I said, Daly, what do you want to do? And her face lit up. How often do we even take time to say, well, what do you want? What do you need? That's what God's telling us in this passage. And I said, Daly, what do you want to do? She said, I want to make a craft. Can we make a craft with me? And I said, absolutely. Why don't you go ahead and get the craft supplies together? I'll finish watching this game, and then as soon as the game's over, we'll make this craft. And she was on cloud nine. We were going to do something that she wanted to do. It's a little scary, the rest of the story, because she went and got this tub, probably a tub that could hold like two gallons. And she placed it on the, just on the, the, like the fireplace edge. And, and she put some water in it, probably a half gallon of water. And then she uh, had all over the uh, fireplace area all these things that we were going to make this craft with. It was a weird alignment of things. It was just anything she could find in the pantry, anything she could find under the sink. And we were just going to mix all these things together. But for about 20 minutes, the first thing we had to do was shred cotton balls. I mean, not just pull them apart, but absolutely shred them. That was the main ingredient of this craft, and I had no idea what we were doing. At the end of it, we actually went through the house and just found more things, and basically we were just mixing a bunch of things together, and this was right up my alley. This is what I did when I was a kid. Anybody, this type of kid, you just mix things together in a cup or a bucket just to see what would happen? I did that. Daily's doing this now, and I'm, I'm kind of loving it. Um, the weird thing was, I'm realizing, should we really be doing this? Isn't this wasteful? Guys, we probably wasted like $3.33 worth of stuff. It wasn't that much. Was it weird? Yes. Did I give daily joy because I asked her what she wanted to do and we said yes and we did it? That was the best part. Was it sinful? Absolutely not. Does it make absolute sense? No, it didn't. But God is much like that in a moment where we ask Him for something. If it brings joy to us, it can bring joy to Him as long as it is not outside of His guidelines for our life. And all He asks us to do, and He's already said, He says, what do you need? What do you want? Make your request. What an amazing thing that we can go before God and present our requests. And as we trust in Him, He can bless us tremendously. Look what it says in Psalms 37. It says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Delight in Him and He will give you what you desire. But the interesting thing, the more we delight in the Father, the more His will and our will align and He's able to pour more and more blessings as we request because we are thinking the same way. The more we delight in Him, the more we are His children and we are living by His way, and He gives us what we desire.
But you've got to ask. Present your requests. And then finally, joy comes from this. Choose joy by resting in God's presence. Look what the text says. Once we give thanks, once we pray, once we focus on who He is, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When God is near and you understand that and you're trusting in Him, His peace will be available to you. It will transcend anything else you can think about. It will go beyond anything your heart's desired. Your most anxious moments will fade away because He's near. Because His presence is with you. If I'm honest, my most anxious moments come when I'm alone. I am very seldom anxious in this room. Where, where I'm anxious is when this room is empty and I'm practicing thinking about when you come, then I can have some anxiety. But when we're, when we're uh, with people's presence, when we're with the Lord, anxiousness almost never happens. But anxiousness and worry thrive in lonely moments. And God is saying when we're in His presence... His peace will transcend our hearts and our minds and everything. Do you know what the number one command in the Bible is that is said over and over and over, almost 150 times, I believe? There's a simple command. Anybody know what it is? Fear not. Exactly. Fear not. And it's kind of like that Little League baseball coach. When God says fear not in Scripture, it's often not like this. Sometimes we get the wrong idea. Fear not! That's not what God is saying in this. It's almost more like just a simple statement. Fear not. You know what? It's almost always connected to the fear nots. I am with you. God is near. His presence is there. What, what drives out fear more than anything is a realization that God will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. You'll never be alone. So even when you are alone physically in this world, let God say to your heart and your mind today and put it deep down inside, fear not, for I'm with you. And worry and fear will fade away. I didn't tell you the rest of the story quite yet. The ending of the story with Daly. Remember she came into the room. She jumped into the bed right in the middle of, uh, of the storm. And, and I laid there in, in another storm in my life, afraid. And she grabbed my face and she said, don't worry, Dad, it's just a storm. And then she said, it's okay, I'm here. That helped her, but she knew that it would help me as well. And that's what God is saying to you today. He's grabbing you right in the face. He says, don't worry, it's just a storm. It's going to be okay. I'm here. I'm with you. And if you've lost that reality, grab that again today. It's a promise. Look what it says in Scripture. Be strong and courageous. That's the exact opposite of anxious and worried, worry-filled and fearful. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, because of all the stuff around you. For the Lord, your God, goes before you, goes with you. He will never leave or forsake you. That's a promise. So I don't know what your fear is. It may be uh, relational. It may be physical. It may be emotional. It may be financial. Uh, and God is saying, I am with you. Uh, this next month, we're wrapping up this Choose Joy series today. We're, go we're going into a new series starting next week. And, and this may be exactly where you're living right now. It's going to focus on this little book that's based on Scripture. It's called Too Much. Living with Less in a Land of More. And there are book copies of this book at all the exits. We want you to pick one of these up for free, each and every one of you. And over the next month, we're going to be going through this because we believe, we know uh, by the reality of this world, one of the greatest things we live in fear of is financial failure 
and God has a lot to say about that. It's not going to be a, a guru talking. It's going to be principles from God's Word of how to be bold and strong with our finances and our faith in Him. But you may have a totally different fear. Whatever your fear is, you can come to God and say, God, I need your help. There's one thing that no one has to leave here afraid of today, is the fear of hell. In your dark moments and alone, you may at times still be like, I don't know if I'm going to go to heaven. Here's one thing I was reminded of recently. Let your confidence come, not by what you've done, but by the grace of Jesus Christ. And that by grace, through faith, you are saved. Today, if you need to claim that, maybe you've never done that, come forward and God will begin to work in your heart and your mind where you no longer have to have any worry about where you're headed forever. Would you stand with me as we sing? We're, we're going to have an opportunity here to give our trust and our faith to, to Jesus. Maybe you're like, hey, I've been a believer for a long time. I'm kind of new to the area and, and I need a place where I know I'm not alone uh, physically. Let this place be your home. You may need to come today and say, I want... Greenville First Christian Church to be my church family. Man, we welcome you as well. But none of that matters until you put Jesus as Lord of your life. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the ability to put our faith in you, to put our trust in you. Lord, is there a sphere that creeps in so quickly? Let us cast it out in the name of Jesus and fill it with your love and your grace for our confidence to grow so we can be strong and courageous. For the sake of your son, his name we pray, amen.